Hello and welcome to episode 157 of Three Beers in a Movie. I am Richard Laird and I'm with Barry Neil. Barry, once again, we are social distancing. The world is still technically in a sort of lockdown right now. But we, yes. seem, to people, we seem to be the only people who are still properly adhering to it, it seems like. Yeah, definitely this side of the world. That, uh, definitely this side of Scotland, that's for sure. It's, yeah. uh, I've noticed a significant amount more traffic outside my window yeah. uh, heading for Lot Lomond, so... It hopefully boards, hopefully no one, there is no second spike and eventually we can start doing one of these, you know, face-to-face properly at some point in your relatively near future. Well, with a nice, cool, crisp pint of cool town, cold town even. Cold town, yeah. Because that's, that's a worry right I now. I am deeply missing To the Raven, I would say it's not always the busiest of bars, so I'll be kind of intrigued to know, you know, will it survive this whole thing? You know, because not everyone can come out of it a lot, you know, surviving. Yeah, no. Okay, no. I'll buy it. You'll buy it. <laughs> right, well. Just so yeah. I can get a pint. Yeah. Speaking of that, are you drinking anything today? No, it's a soft juice for me today. I'm uh, waiting patiently for the phone to go. So, being good. I am on something. I'm yes. on uh, Yakima Pilsner, which is from Vocation Ooh. Brewery, um, which is from the Yakima Valley, the British and Scottish beers. Just shows you how Americanified I am. <laughs> um, yeah. yeah, so very nice. Good thing about it is, hopefully, like I said, we might hopefully meet up in a few weeks to do a conversation. And um, but also, seems to be that cinemas are looking to hopefully reopen in the next, you know, ten to fourteen days. That would be quite nice if they start opening. We start actually seeing new movies and everything. That would be nice. Absolutely. Do you have to blow the dust off of that semi world card of yours and get it back in the wallet? I know, do you know I mean? Normally I've seen like, what, 150 or maybe a year, you know, with that card. This year I've seen so far 24, I think. Which is. God damn. I mean, I'll be my money back, but it's, it's such a low number for me. You know, it's. Um, and I'm actually ah. ho- like, approaching 200 movies watched in lockdown, which is also <laughs> far too much time to sit watching a TV at home. It's. Um, I, need, I need to try and get it out <laughs> It's, uh, I'm just sitting here intrigued about how cinemas are going to cope with social distancing. Because you know? even the boys can be busy. You know? it's, certainly the, it's certainly the biggest I, issue that, that they've got is how do they keep, how do they make it safe and how do they convince patrons that it's going to be safe? You know, mm. not just in the cinema itself. Like you, say, you can have, easily you can do that with, you know, having, you know, if you, if you, if you and Stacey book a seat, for example, and basically there'll be no one to the left, you no one to the right of you, no one behind you, no one in front of you, which is totally fine. But yeah. like I said, the issues of foyers and then the after cleaning the place and stuff like that, you've got to, be, you've got to convince your audience that it's safe. Also, how are they going to make mm. money? Because the cinema itself doesn't make that much, much money on a ticket. It's money comes from yeah. selling refreshments. And by all accounts, they're talking about the refreshments thing won't be a big deal of popcorn. But that's about it. Popcorn and soft drinks, but that's about it. And how many people do you know right now who take in their own food? You know, because you don't like to pay cinema prices, you might buy a bottle of popcorn every now and again. But right now, if you feel it's not 100% sanitary, you're not going to buy it, are you? Yeah. You know, if you feel there's any sort of risk in anything. So that's a big issue as to how much, you know, how they're going to survive and cope. And I think cinemas will, for the most part, survive, but it's kind of in what form will they survive? And I think a lot of these sort of smaller cinemas, the independent ones, the other ones are really going to struggle the most. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I can see some of the mad things being like, you'll end up being able to purchase, like, pre-bagged bags of popcorn. Like, 
but then at that point you may as well just go and buy a bag of popcorn or something. You know? Yeah. Why but are you gonna buy a four pound bag of popcorn and get a bag of popcorn for a pound in Asda? Yeah. You know exactly. But it's just like dumb things I was thinking about. It's like how are they gonna get people to like stay in their seats if they need the toilet during the movie? If you are you gonna have to try and squeeze by people or you're gonna have to like start clambering over seats to get round folk. Like, what are you even going to have to do here? They're going to really have to limit the rows and what people and what they can have yeah. in per row. Um, one thing I would yeah. say is, for the majority of films I go and see, essentially I'm still social distancing at them anyway because they're never really full screens. Only It's not very often you go into a film and it's actually a full screen. You know, so... Yes, yes. The, the chance of you going to see a film and it's absolutely packed out are, unless you go on like a Friday night, it's pretty slim. Yeah, you know, so of course. I think it won't be quite as big an issue as you, as you think it is. Everyone's, everyone keeps mentioning stuff like, you know, when Endgame came out and all these big blockbusters, but they are actually the sort of the exception to the rule. Most times I go to the cinema, it's pretty much mm. just me. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And yeah, so we're a, we're a bunch of lepers anyway. We normally just sit up the back of the way anyway, just so we can get away from people and then actually enjoy the movie. So. Yeah, yeah, both always go to the back of the cinema. It's where the, the indiscretions always happen. <laughs> ask you what happened in the film and you've absolutely no idea what happened in the movie. Uh, well, bringing back some old school kinks. Indeed. Uh, but anyway, since we can't go to the movies, we're still watching stuff on Netflix and stuff on Amazon and other places. So we will, again, launch into that. And like I said, the options for our, our home viewings are getting more and more limited by the day, so god damn it, please come back cinemas. But we'll start with one <laughs> called that one called The Lovebirds, which was meant to be in the cinema in about February time, um, and then didn't come out, or sorry, in April time, obviously didn't come out then because of the COVID. Um, but thankfully, I think Netflix bought it. They didn't make the film, Netflix just bought the movie, um, and they've managed to put it on, ah, okay. managed to put it on uh, their stream. So it's, it's, it's good because it allows people to see the film. Um, so yeah. it's directed by Michael Showalter, who also directed the film The Big Sick, was out a few years ago. If you remember that one, it's a really uh-huh. good, really enjoyable yeah, film. Yeah. Um, the plot of this film is it's a couple who are going out for a date. They're like sort of in the fourth year of the relationship. They're essentially just broken up because of she reached that point in life. And um, while driving to the a, a sort of dinner party, they hit somebody. Um, who jumps off his bike. They hit off off his bike. They think he's okay. Then all of a sudden, someone else jumps in the car. They think it's a police officer. They go pursuing this guy in the bike, and the guy runs him over and kills him, and then jumps out of the car and realizes he's not a police officer, but he's just wanting to kill this guy. And it's they then go on the run because people think they've killed him, and they then try to prove their innocence by trying to find this guy who killed this guy in order to prove that they are not the, the killers of this, um, this, this cyclist. Um, in the film, you get Issa Rae from The Hate You Give, and she was also in a TV show called Insecure, which she writes, produces, directs, and everything. Um, we've also got Camille Ninjani, who is sort of the, the it thing right now. He's in a lot of stuff, certainly the big sick, but also he's going to be in the new Marvel stuff, also in Silicon Valley. Um, and that's pretty much the main cast. You've also got Paul Sparks and Anna Camp turn up, but they're only in it for maybe 10, 15 minutes at most. They're not really in it you know, for that much. The, the main crux of the story is the, the two, two leads. Um, so this is on Netflix. What do you think of this one? Um, I went in with, I don't know, maybe a skewed view of what this movie was going to be, but as it plodded on through its like 90 minutes or something, maybe yeah. however long it yeah. lasts for, I did actually find myself actually really enjoying it. 
Yeah. Especially more the second half, I found like I was actually really getting into it, even though it is kind of labelled as like a romantic comedy kind of thing. And it does kind of start leading you down a path of like, oh, it's just one of those like throwaway date movie mm. movies. But no, I found it actually quite enjoyable by the end of it, you know? It's got a lot in like common two with, main characters. It's got a lot in common with stuff like that film Date Night and uh, Game Night. Have you ever seen the ones? It's got a bit in common mm. with it. It is a rom com, but it's kind of it's a wee bit different from your. It's not just a, it's not just the meat cute of how they met and stuff like. Because you see that right at the very start of the film, but it's actually set like five years later, and you and it's sort of like almost at the end of the relationship, and it's sort of like a struggle yeah. to understand why they're together. Um, the strength of the film for me, I think, comes from. The, the two leads. I think yes, the two of them work so well together. They're very, very funny together. They're actually quite sweet together. They actually work as a couple, which I think is an important part. Um, mm. But I think with anyone else in those roles or some, you know, if the roles weren't done as well as that, I think this film would very quickly become very dull. I think they are definitely the sort of the heart and soul of what, of what this movie is. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. They definitely bounce off each other really well during like, some of the more kind of like, uh, sillier scenes, you know, they just get amplify it a bit more, you know, and yeah. make it just that more enjoyable, you know. Oh, because some of the plot twists it takes are utterly ridiculous, you know. Yeah. They don't make any sense, and they would walk, and you, anyone who will, it just doesn't make any sense, but it's done with a lot of love, and it's done with a lot of charm between the two of them, that it totally, it, you feel surprised by it. It's silly, fun, and you're willing to go with it for, for the, you know, it's a nightmare, for the nightmares you're watching, you're willing to go with it when you watch it. When you think back and you go, none of that really made that much sense, and it it doesn't really work as a it doesn't really work as a plot. But in the moment as you're watching it, because you have so much love for these two leads, it, it, you're willing to like sort of suspension of disbelief for the ninety minutes to, to enjoy the silliness of it all. Um, yeah. And it is weirdly, like you said, it is weirdly sort of marketed because it's called Love Buds, and you're thinking, well, it must be a romantic comedy, but it's really not a romantic comedy for for the most part. No, you know, obviously it's you have almost been, like a like. It's, it's a bit like a buddy cop movie almost, mm. but they're not, they're not cops. <laughs> uh, it, does, it has you know? a kind of buddy cop feel to it, definitely. Um, yeah. And you have the whole, will they get back together again? Will they find true love? And like, if you know these kind of films, that's pretty much, you know that from the start, they're going to get not back together. It's pretty obvious that's going to happen, you know, because that's yeah. the kind of film these things are. But the joy of it isn't seeing that, the fact that it's how that happens and, and how they sort of re- reconnect. You know, because they're at the start, they're having the fight and they're fighting about how well they would do on the amazing race, that felt like a totally like legitimate argument that you have probably had yourself. Yeah. You know, not tell about yes. that, but something but something completely as stupid as that. You're actually falling out over something and it, it felt a very real lived in relationship which I really liked. Yeah, absolutely. It was well written in that sense, you know. Just all the dumb arguments is like everyone can relate to it if you've been in a relationship more than thirty seconds, you know. Yeah. Um I'm a bit sad I didn't get to cinema because Mm. I think I don't think it would have done as well in the cinema. I think the cinema probably wouldn't have done a decent amount of money because it's sort of it's it's not really in that sort of upper echelon of these movies. It's a very you know it's a solid but not spectacular version of this kind of film. But the idea of those two leads not white leads, you know, mm. you still really see that in the cinema. So it'd yeah, be nice absolutely. Seen, it'd be nice seeing that in the cinema. That being said, I think Netflix is a great place to put this in a film because I think way more people will watch it, and it is one of those sort of perfect. Friday night or even like a, like a Thursday night movie and you're just you're done after the day and you just want to sit and watch something completely silly, completely almost brainless, but just let it roll off you and enjoy it. And this film just it ticks all those buttons. Obviously, it's, not, it's, it's a 
fun, enjoyable watch. Will you watch it again? I probably will never watch it again. But for the 90 minutes I watched it, I found it very charming and very sweet and, and just kind of a nice, a nice, enjoyable watch. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, I totally agree with that one. Out of 10? I'm going to give it a 7. Exactly the same, dude. 7 as well. 7 as well. It's, nice. It's a totally enjoyable, fun to watch. But probably won't watch it again. But if I was telling someone, someone asked me, like, text me, go, what can I watch tonight? Is there anything decent? I go, you know what? Give Lovebirds a watch. You'll, you'll find it totally charming. Mm, yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. On, on from that, on to another Netflix film. Again, I think Netflix just bought this film. It didn't actually make it. Yeah, it's now, I think, okay. 2018 it came out. It was called Support the Girls. It's written by Andrew Bodwaski, uh, who directs a film called Results, which is also on Netflix, and a film called Beeswax. Um, and the plot of this one's a bit stranger. It's about it's sort of a, a woman who works in a, a a bar that's sort of it's sort of a hooters light kind of almost kind of bar, mm. and she's having a really weird day because there's something going on with someone that they try to rob the store. She's also trying to keep this, the place open. She's having an argument with the boss. She's having an argument with the staff. She's trying to find new staff. And essentially, it's almost just a day in her life of reaching perhaps the end of her time with this in this restaurant. But she's got a lot of friends in the restaurant, so she's equally torn about where she's going to stay or where she's going to go. And just it's sort of just surviving in the sort of corporate world of, you know, restaurant touring, essentially, yeah? Mm. Um, yeah. Main person in the film is Regina Hall. She plays the, the, the movie you follow for the majority of the film. It's her trying to hang on to reality. Um, you also get Haley Lou Richardson, Delena Gelbda, and Zoe Graham, who are sort of in the film, but I don't actually know anything about them, but they're sort of the other three main girls in it. Um, or two girls and one guy. I'll start with this one. I thought the most part of this film was it was quite a strong performance from the central. Regina Hall was very good. I kind of totally got yes. the fact that she was clinging, we've all been in jobs like that, where you're just you're sort of clinging on to a reason to stay. You, you, you like the people you work with, but also, you know, the company's a piece of shit and you're being treated like crap and you're just trying just to hold on to the reality of it all and just trying to make it work. And you know yourself, you're not going to last much longer, but you're just you're trying to eke it out. And you're almost hoping for something better. And I, and I got that level of desperation in, in, in her character. I, I kinda, you felt for her throughout the whole film. You realise that she is sort of right on. She's on an edge. She's, gonna, she's going to snap and kill someone, snap and kill herself, or just utterly break down. You feel that that's the sort of line. She's it's one of those people. She's not, she's not in a good place when, she, when you're watching this film. That being said, it's... Never really that funny. No, like it's built no, a comedy, I, and it never really made me laugh. No, I'm totally with you on this one. I found this movie just, I don't know, very cat. It didn't grab my attention at all. I found myself around about the hour mark, just totally drifting and just mm. kind of dropping in and out of it. And every now and again, I'd be checking my phone and doing the yeah. ultimate sin. But it's, yeah, uh, I. Yeah, this movie just did not grab me at all. Yeah, and you yeah. think it would, you know? Yeah, I mean, I think it's going for that sort of, if you've ever seen Richard Linklater film Slacker, or obviously Clerks, or even The Florida Project, mm. or even something like Waiting, it's trying to go for that kind of vibe, but it just, it's never funny. And mm. the emotive, the moment when it's going for pure emotion, to try and get you to feel something, and to really actually, you know, feel for you, it's maybe not the fault of the script. It might be the fault maybe the actors just aren't up to the challenge of it. But it never it felt very forced. Nothing about it made me feel particularly sad or happy. Or it, it, it's very bland, I would say, for most of it. It's, 
nothing made me feel in any way sort of sympathetic or emotive towards any of the characters. Regina Hall, yeah, I give her, her role was decent, but everybody else, I just not everyone felt very forced and, and just mm. poor. I, f- I found one of the, outside of the main uh, lady, I found the the only other actress that I don't have her name in front of me, unfortunately, but the only other actress was the character. She was like a cat old lesbian in the bar. Yes, yes. I I found she I found her charming. I found her like quite engaging anytime she was on the screen because she was always doing something. Yeah, you know. She was do- I, and you feel that's so if in in other hands that role would have been pushed more to almost like a comedy sense. That would been someone like Melissa McCarthy playing that role. You know, that it's, mm. it's that kind of person who play that role and it would be sort of like one of the things you remember from it. But she is almost, you know, you have a wee scene with her at the start and then towards the end you see her again, but she's really not used that much within the whole film. Yeah, I know, I know. Yeah, um, uh, it's a shame because I did actually quite like her. <laughs> I, and the film itself was getting really strong reviews and that's what made me intrigued to watch it, but I just, I found it just, maybe because we've seen, I've seen too many of these other types of films in the past, Maybe because it's an all-female mm. cast, I don't identify with them as much as I would do. Mm. I a partly male cast, that is a, certainly a possibility. But I just never found any interest in what was going on it. I just never really engaged with any character in the, in the story at all. And ultimately, I don't really care. Like, when I'm watching Clerks for the Florida Project, you you care for the character. You you want to know how his day or how their day is going to go. You want to feel something for them. This, I did feel anything mm. at all for anyone. I, I, I totally agree with you on this one. Yeah. Plus, I think like that whole inter- maybe it's a wee bit different in America. I don't know, but certainly here we have nothing like it, like like the restaurant. So I found it quite hard to compare because one, I've never been in a Hooters, yeah. so we don't have anything apart from strip clubs that look anything like this, yeah. where you've got women just cutting about wearing skimpy clothes and all that, delivering right. your food. You know, uh, it doesn't quite so, alien yeah. an idea. Yeah, and as time marches on, it becomes an even more kind of like bizarre thing, you know. Uh-huh. And I have heard when you watch, you, know, you see people apparently they actually do target the family audience as well. And I just can't imagine going into a family to a restaurant where yeah. like these. I mean, I've nothing on the girls to what you do at what the restaurant. That's totally it's absolutely legit to them, and they yeah, collect yeah. a lot of money from it. Like seven guys and stuff. But if you go to say a family of four going in there, like two young kids and a dad and a mum, going into this restaurant, going yeah. Like, why would you pick that? Or what, why would you pick that restaurant of all the restaurants? You know, because you get the dad pair of them. Mommy, why is, why is daddy always looking over there? Right, it's like, it seems like a really bizarre thing, the idea they to make it like a family run joint. It's like, oh, seems kind of strange. Yeah, yeah so yeah. I would say support the girls. It has promise, it has ideas, it has interesting things that it wants to do, but it absolutely never executes them for me convincingly at any point during the film. Yeah. 100% did I agree? Excuse me. I, Out of 10? 100% agree. Fuck, I'm giving it a lousy 5. Yeah, I think unfortunately I'm saying 5 out of 10 for me because Regina Hall, I would give her definite pass marks. She was solid. She was well done. She was fun in a role. Not fun in a role, but she, she brought something to the role. But other than that, everybody else is really just, there's very little there to really sort of engage you for the most part. A shame to it. Like I said, I get uh, nothing but rave reviews. I just, I just did not see it. No, I don't know where I don't know where people are finding the the I don't know what the is about that film quality of, yeah yeah yeah. No, some things films I have like no idea. Some things like they get rave reviews and I'm watching and maybe it's too hype and you're expecting something really special just pass you by. You know, don't I wasn't expecting anything really special with this. 
but for the whole film, I was just watching, going, where are these great reviews coming from? What is it people are seeing that I'm not seeing? And I, I could not find it for what what it was like. What was making everyone else that would be really frustrated about this film? I thought it was really overrated. Yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. Did I agree? Last film it is on Amazon, and it's called Kings, directed by Denise Gamaz Ergwin, who directed a film called Mustang a few years ago, and also was involved with uh, Handmaid's Tale. She's directed, she directed a few episodes of Handmaid's Tale, so she's, she's been around um, doing some, some solid work. And um, plot of this, it's set the week before the Rodney King trial verdict, and it's essentially about a family surviving in that LA scene where you can tell it's sort of rife for explosion in terms of racial tension, and it's sort of dealing with a, fo- a woman who's got a bunch of foster kids and how she's trying to keep the family on track and, try- and kids are all trying to sort of exist within this powder keg of of a city that's about to explode. Um, in the film, you've got yeah. Halle Berry playing the mother, Daniel Craig plays the, the neighbour, uh, and you've got Lamar Johnson from The Hate You Give, he plays uh, sort of younger son, and Rachel Hilson plays uh, one of the do- uh, daughter in it. Um, what do you think of this one? I really enjoyed this movie. Uh, I thought it was actually really good. I've, I quite liked how it kind of spliced up uh, actual footage of what was happening in real life, like uh, news coverage or whatever, with the movie. I thought yeah. that was quite well done. Yeah, yeah, I thought that was quite a cool way to uh, keep you engaged and you know remember that this actually happened. Uh, yeah, I thought Halle Berry played it fantastically. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know about um, Daniel Craig's questionable accent, right? Enough. I don't know what accent he was putting on. Well, he's doing, but, an, he's doing an English yeah. accent, so maybe that is that his actual accent. I've no idea. Maybe. It did feel very broad. It felt very much like an Englishman doing an English accent in America. You know, trying to almost like yeah. over English by it essentially. Yeah. Yeah. Ramp it up a bit. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. No, I thoroughly enjoyed this movie. What about yourself? I I liked it. It had a really nice, strong sense of time and place. Like it felt very mm. much like the nineties in LA. From what I know of nineties LA, it felt very much in that world. Um, yeah. And you get ideas like, like like the heat of the city, the sort of the idea of the like sort of the city's on this, um, like essentially a powder keg. The story I felt was quite unclear. The narrative just didn't really work that well for me. It was a it was sort of muddled. I think at the best time, you know, it just it just didn't really click in the in the way you wanted to click. And I really didn't get the, overall the point of what the the story was trying to say. You know. Was it trying to be like a think piece about racial tensions? Was it trying to be something about the mother trying to hold the family together? It never really sort of picked an angle that wanted to come at properly. And because of that, mm. I found that it's just a little bit muddled um, for the most part. Aye, I know, definitely. I do. Aye, that's a strong point. I do actually. I did, um, I did think that it kind of always leaned more towards like her and her family. Yeah, she was struggling to try and balance, like her being a single parent and like having unruly kids running around the place, uh-huh. who ultimately find themselves shoplifting. Yeah, um, <laughs> you know. And equally, although the Daniel Craig role didn't seem bad to me, I thought his accent was okay. I didn't, I didn't really bother. Mm. I just, I, I, I failed to understand what his role was in the film. Like, what did he add to the movie? Yeah. Not a lot, to be honest. It felt very tacked on. It didn't feel like it was off from anything to the point of going, oh yeah, he's there because he does this to the film. He adds 
an outside element. He adds a, you know, another perspective. It was just very much he's there. He's Daniel Craig. He's happens with hooking up with Halle Berry at times, but it didn't really add anything to the actual story, the actual film itself. And, and it felt because you, I mean, if you put that actor in as a completely nondescript actor, the role mm. might have been fine because it just sort of like it's a, it's a a role. When you put Daniel Craig in it. You feel that's a big actor in a, a role but it should have some sort of substance and some sort of um like sort of bearing on the plot line but also if you take him out of the yeah. story it, the plot isn't any the story isn't any different it doesn't change the film really yeah i because yeah. done something like made him like a cop or something or I, or a, like a retired cop or something like anything to kind of, kind of show a different like narrative to the story about yeah. what's going on yeah you know but it is, like, I think what you said is right, the way they've mixed uh, the real footage and uh, the sort of fake footage is really good. And how sometimes, like, you'll see, like, maybe a helicopter shot from a news report that's obviously happened in real time, and then it'll cut down to something that's happening. It's the film, but it, it sort of it marries up really well, so it looks like the people who you're watching were involved in it. That was really well done. Mm. So, yeah, as a, as a semi-historical piece of, like, filmmaking and, and, and talking about how this world runs, how this incident went down, it was an, it was an, it was interesting sort of companion piece to other films that I brought out around that time, but the film itself just I felt it was very muddled, just never really again much like the Sport of the Girls actually never really just clicked with me as to what the, the entire point of the film was, you know something like mm. Fruitvale Station or Hate You Give, they seem to have a specific point of trying to get across and they and they show it well and they structure it well, this never really showed that um, never really got to that point. Like, I think it was trying to be yeah. really important. It was trying to talk about racial politics and, you know, the police brutality, which obviously made like three or four years ago when it, it wasn't quite in the zeitgeist the same way as it is now, which maybe speaks to more volumes to that. But it never really clicks home with what, what, what the exact point it's trying to make. But by no means a bad film, just one of the films going like, ah, I feel like you, you had an opportunity to tell a bigger story or a more important story and you floundered a little mm-hmm. bit on that and you sort of backed away from it at the last minute. I uh, maybe didn't want to push it too much. Yeah, you know, you know what they're, they're almost playing like the kind of safe card almost. A little bit, know? a little bit, yeah. Um, out of ten, would you give this one? I'm gonna give it. I'm gonna give it. I'm gonna give it a six out of ten because it was good, but it wasn't great either. Good. Know? We are we are three for three this week. I'm also giving it six out of ten. We're, we're far nice. too in sync nice. when it comes to this. You know, we've got to try and find one of, one of his likes and all one hates just to try and make it more interesting. You know, we're, we're very, very in sync with this these days. My only kind of like negative that I took away from this movie was when the the young girl was driving to the hospital and she was driving through the smoke and I was just constantly like, how fucking hard is it to drive through smoke? Yeah. How big is this smoke? Yeah. <laughs> Come well, on. Well, LA was on fire. Yeah, I know. I know, yeah. but... Come on. Yeah. <laughs> Switch the headlights on. I'll <laughs> just right. park up and walk. <laughs> so that's it for this week. So we're saying watch the Love Clubs. Maybe give yes. Kings a chance. But unless you're yes. really bored, maybe don't turn on and support the girls unless you're really in the mood for something like that. You know, And that's what yeah. we're saying right now. Uh, next yeah. week, we'll get an interesting mix. We have got on Apple Plus TV, we've got Greyhound, the new Tom Hanks war movie. Um, which looks interesting. On Netflix, we've got a new comic book adaptation superhero film from, uh, I think it's from Greg Rucker, who I quite like his writing, um, called The Old Guard, and it stars Charlize Theron, which obviously Charlize Theron and anything is also enjoyable. And also, 
on Sky Movies. I don't know where else, maybe on Now TV as well. Is a Hugh Jackman and Alison Janney film called Bad Education, which sounds a much funnier title, I think, and it's only be trying to be a lot. It sounds like a much more upbeat title in terms of like almost playing a comedy, but it's all about like a, a sort of um, a school council race and sort of like um, the politics involved in that. So it's actually more of a political thriller rather than a, a straight out comedy, which I think the title can almost make you think comedy when I hear them in Bad Education. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. So they're out next week. Yeah, we'll sounds like a good week. Right, sounds like a good wee list to that. Yes, nice wee interesting list. Halfway, I've already watched Greyhound as of you. We'll talk about it next week, but it was so delightful. An hour and a half for that film, and that was just that was perfection. You know, exactly. When exactly. I saw Tom Hanks more epic, I was thinking I'll be there for at least three hours. And I saw an hour and a half, I'm like, oh god, bless you, Tom Hanks. <laughs> I can, the thing, well, we'll talk later. We'll talk about it next week. I don't want to ruin too much. <laughs> yeah, okay. But we'll yeah, I, I came away chuffed as well. Yeah, um, so we'll talk about that next week. Uh, tell me where to find us. You can find us on the social medias Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Three Beals on a Movie. That's great, man. For this week, I've been Richard. You've been Barry. And you've been listening to Three Beers in a Movie.